Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Val Cisco, dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there, guys, like, listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor. It's pretty fantastic. I love it. Hell, thank you, Anchor, for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store. I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still. Uh whatever is out there download it it's freaking phenomenal you guys won't regret it take care ciao What is going on, everybody, and welcome to the highly anticipated return of Pop Culture's Geek Overload Show, Pop 5, brought to you by Sideshow Conversations. It's me, Val Cisco, and of course, my guest today from the J Ranch Show. J Ranch, how you doing? What's going on, Brody? I'm chilling. What's good, bro? It's been a while. Yes, sir. It's been a long time. It's been a long time <laughs> since we've done one of these, and if I'm, if I'm, not mistaken, this is uh, lucky number 13. Ooh, is it? Mm, that's kind of kind of crazy. I don't know where we're up to 13. And I, I kind of like it because, uh, you know, 13 is usually with that uh, unlucky number, unlucky yes. circumstances that happen. How fitting that we're going to be talking about things that happen unlucky people's lives when it comes to rivalries. How do you feel about rivalries when it comes to comic books? Um, rivalries, I mean, to, to uh, rivalries are kind of like one thing in comic books that kind of make or break a comic or it could break a series or it could break, uh, you know, an arc or whatever it is, you know. So I think they're real important that you need to get a rivalry down and both characters have to be almost somewhat like intertwined Um, just on, on a plane higher than just a rivalry. You get what I'm saying? Right. Like, sometimes they can have a little backstory, something deep, whatever. So once you get all that together and all that right, uh, I feel like it's it makes for a good rivalry. Definitely. I totally agree with you. I mean, it is make or break. 100% agree. I remember when I was reading, you know, uh, the run of uh, Dick Grayson taking the mantle of Batman with Damian mm-hmm. Wayne as the Robin. Um, yeah. 
I was always clamoring for Dick to get that 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 rivalry that he needed, that that Joker to his Bruce Wayne, if you will. And I never got that probably till the end of that series, and then we got the whole Flashpoint reboot. So definitely, yeah. a rivalry is something to make or break a character. I mean, you look at um, some of the top ones out there. I'll throw a spoiler out there. Here's one if anybody does have it on their list. A Craven the Hunter and Spider-Man. That's an awesome rivalry. Those two right there, you know, the ultimate hunter taking on the ultimate beast, if you will, which is man. I love that rivalry. No, that's a great rivalry. You won't catch that on my list. My rivalry. <laughs> I mean, for, for once, I think my list is, I think, going to be a little bit, you know, um, by by the rules, you know, by the standard, by the protocol, it's not going to be cliche. Maybe by one, but yeah, you know, you you everybody definitely knows about the rivalries on my list. But yeah, so I, I get what you're saying. That's a cool one, though. No, definitely, definitely. And you know, by by definition, you know, it's a person or a thing competing with another for the same objective or superiority. So I think it's just like someone who or something always trying to one up each other. You mm-hmm. know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, not necessarily an evil thing or it could be as well too. It's just yes. that one up edge that it's like competitive nature that these two objects have. And I love that. Yeah. It, it brings the best out of a character in my opinion. Yeah, cuz it's like you said, you know, when you were discussing it, you were like, "Hey, it could be good versus evil it could be you know good versus good or evil versus evil you know every there's always that competitive nature whether it's good or bad or just within good you get what i'm saying or within bad itself so there's always that competitive nature and we have seen that across comics a lot well let's get right into the nitty-gritty right here let's start off with our pop five best rivals now i'm not sure who started last time is was it me or was it you i know we were doing the 80s songs last time 80s uh yeah that was such a long time ago and you know <laughs> a couple of decades ago literally <laughs> yeah you know because we were trying to find a new home with all those shenanigans we're going through so i mean we could rochambeau for it over you know <laughs> i want to go rochambeau right now you know what i'll, I'll take I'll, I'll let you lead. yeah i'll let you do the honors because it's, it's we haven't been done this in a while and it's the first episode back so i'll let you take the honors all right. Well, since uh, this is the 13th episode, and it's always associated with something evil, something devilish, if you will, I'm going to start off with my number five. And my number five is the rivalry between, ooh, it's so, it's so appropriate. You know, when we talk about evil, you can't go, uh, you can't talk about evil without mentioning hell. And uh-huh. in my opinion, there's only two people that come out of hell two people demons uh objects if you will as well too that really just mesh so well and it's a very forgot about series and still ongoing it is the rivalry between al simmons aka spawn taking on the violator oh wow you know that almost (laughs) made my list (laughs) that almost made my list yeah definitely bro that that's a good one though yeah I absolutely love this rivalry. I love Spawn. Spawn has been one of my favorite books coming out of Image for huh, since Image began. I mean, this character broke out in 1992, and yes, that comic book screams 90s. Whether it be zippers, bullet shells everywhere, cybernetic arms, you know, creepy crawlers, <laughs> chains everywhere, chain mail everywhere. 
Guns Galore. Yes, it's a very 90s series. And of course, Spawn um, just uh, right at the cusp of that whole grunge teenage angst movement there. I always thought that, yeah, Spawn definitely needs that one character to, to bring him to this best. And of course, that first arc right there is basically um, Violator prepping spawn to actually do the devil's work if you will you know mm-hmm. trying to basically um teach him the ways of being the hell spawn using his powers for evil and of course the the conflicted nature between al simmons and what he wants to do and what he has to do is interfering with violator's plan hence these two lock up in a war going crazy bloodshed everywhere i mean there's countless times where you know spawn has killed violator and violator has attempted to kill spawn nearly doing it it's always meshed so well and of course we can't talk about violator without his little alter ego clown always being the 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 john liquidzamo sidekick the not really sidekick but just you know tag along partner in the first couple of series in in spawn yeah definitely because it's kind of like his alter ego it's like, you know, because for those that may not know or whatever, he's always in that clown. When he's on Earth, that's his disguise. You know, that's his disguise. When he's on Earth, he disguises as a clown because that's what he thinks humans are. You get what I'm saying? Just like clowns, he doesn't care about them. So that's why you see him running around in the little clown. But yeah, continue, though. No, and I love it. I, you know what? It's crazy because it parallels Batman so well. I mean, you know, Batman being, you know, the ultra force of vengeance and, 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 and I guess justice, justice. And then you have Spawn, which is a very conflicted character. It doesn't know where to go, what to do. Very dark, gloomy and depressed and tries to make sense of what he is now into this world. And you have Clown, you know, the, uh, kind of like the point A to Joker as well, too. You know, Joker being slim, slender and very, very uh, conniving and funny. You know, you have cringeworthy clown fat sloppy short and just making cringeworthy jokes not even funny jokes it's cringeworthy jokes that just make you think about a creepy uncle in the background i love it it's just nasty wasn't there a part in the movie where like he just busted down like uh like a handful of maggots or something like that yeah, like in the yeah. trash or something oh yeah, yeah definitely yeah, I remember his jokes. His jokes are horrible, especially like the John Leguizamo when doing like ta da. <laughs> I think John Leguizamo is the only person that could have played that character at the time as well. Oh, so yeah. The movie's not the best movie in the world, but I think John Leguizamo makes that uh, a, a two star movie into a maybe a four star movie, if you will, because of his yeah. performance. Look, yeah, no, definitely, definitely, I give you that. And I, I love it because you can even look at Al Simmons and clown as well to violator and yeah their stories mesh so much in the comic book in the franchise that has spawned but even when they went the side stories going back into medieval times you still had that rivalry between the hell spawn and the violator brother that existed at that time as well too you know there's about five brothers as well that make up that yeah. clan there so you look at the history between a spawn and the viol- and uh i guess the demon of violator's family and they mesh. They've been meshing for centuries. And you just see how it builds up to even today where, you know, it's still one of the point A to point B. It's very much like you can't have Al Simmons without Clown. They mesh so well together. It's one of my favorite rivalries. And I think it's something that's still going to be remembered 20 years down the line. Yeah, no, that, that's that's a great rivalry. And that's a great one to start the 13th episode, like you said, because these guys, you know, they're still intertwined in battle and stuff like that. And you've seen them fight in hell and all that at various times in the comics. And like you said, just to piggyback on what you said about the Spawn comic, you know, it's just an ongoing series that had a few spinoffs and even spun off into a manga, I believe it was called The Shadow of Spawn. 
and it, it's a great comic. It's a great rivalry. It's kind of like, I mean, we've seen rivalries, but like in my opinion, it's one of those rivalries that stick out of my childhood. You get what I'm saying? Because a lot of other rivalries, they're like, hey, okay, you know, they were there before you, but this one was kind of like, okay, I grew up with this rivalry, so it kind of means something to me. You get what I'm saying? So it's a great rivalry. Definitely, definitely love it. You know, and to me, I love Spawn books. I don't know. I'm probably the only person these days that still reads the Spawn book or yeah. Sam and Twitch book. But to me, I don't know. I, I always love to dabble into, like, uh, biblical history and throw, mm-hmm. see what the book kind of throws into a comic book nature and play with that nature, play with dogma, play with what would happen if, you know, we are just a... Uh, it's stuck in a war between you know good and evil and we're just basically marvels being flipped around that's what spawn gives you you're really not sure what side is good or evil whose intentions are actually purely right and and it carries over from day one till now i mean you know i don't know it's one of my favorite books still to this day even though they switched throughout spawn so many times the character is um overpowered if you will to the 10th degree but i love it though i can't I, i can't get it out of my system yeah, you really are one that still reads Spawn books because I remember you still showing up to the crib a long time ago with like a stack of Spawn books and stuff like that. And you're <laughs> still going out and buying Spawn books. So I believe you are the only one in this. You know, hey, maybe the millennials will get back in Spawn. <laughs> like... Yes, Tom McFarlane, please send me some free merch. I'm giving Spawn some love right now. Please, 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 please. Definitely, but definitely, man. Enough about me. Let's talk about you. Give me your number five. Well, my number five, I don't know if it's a rivalry. I mean, it, it, it's not really your big rivalry. Um, it just had, like, one huge major story arc, but it's a rivalry that I think is pretty freaking cool because it's kind of like, you know, it's somewhat like light versus evil, you know, good versus bad, and it doesn't get more than that. You know, it's just like living versus the dead. So it kind of kind of is a great way to start off Thursday's episode with you with Violator and Spawn. This one for a lot of people that may not know or that do know i believe this is a badass rivalry and a great um story in my eyes it is judge dread versus judge death oh i love and, that <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and this one like i said judge dread versus judge death is like i said it's good versus evil light versus dark and i just think it's just a great great freaking rivalry because you know for a lot of people that may not know you know judge death is the leader of the dark judges a mm-hmm. group from um, death world, you, you would say dead world, you get what I'm saying? So in dead world, um, Judge Death came to the conclusion that um, every crime is committed by the living so hence in their world, living is a crime, so he just goes on a splurge trying to kill everybody and just take over, and then he tries to cross over into you know, I guess Judge's Dread dimension and things of that nature, and we just see him having multiple battles with Judge Dredd. I mean, it was cool, but I mean, it was kind of anticlimactic because right off the first battle, you know, Judge Dredd just destroyed his body and he um, just jumped into Judge Anderson's body, you know, through possession, telekinetic or whatever. And I mean, it was kind of anticlimactic, but it was cool because it kept, you know, going because they didn't they didn't stop. They kept coming back, those dark judges, into Judge Dredd's, you know, world and stuff to trying to take over. And at one point, they did kind of succeed, but it still got shut down because they sought um, help, which was, was it from the sisters? I forgot their name. But then they were able to just, like, destroy a city of, like, 60 million people, things of that nature. So we saw Dredd, you know, kind of at a weak point, but 
then we saw him, you know, bounce back, things of that nature. So it kind of, like you said, is always a one-upmanship. You get what I'm saying? Like, you one-up me in the beginning. Hey, I'm going to come back, though. You can one-up me, but I'm still coming back. You get what I'm saying? So, I mean, I just think it's a great battle. It, it's a great concept. Like I said, you know, good versus evil, judge death, judge dread. So I, I think it's pretty freaking epic, this rivalry. I don't know, man. How do you feel about it? I love Judge Dredd. I always think that's a very underrated comic book. It was always a very underrated yeah. movie as well, too. Even the last one that came out was a fantastic movie. And people, um, I think what that movie is, is people, not enough people went to watch it because they, they had, I guess, um, whether you like the Sylvester Stallone movie or not, people had a bad taste in their mouth coming out of that. So I think people were just <laughs> like... Movie to a certain extent, all a lot of you did enjoy. It. I th- I love that movie too, but <laughs> yeah. I think people came with that mentality. It was like, yeah, I'm gonna stay away from this because we're probably gonna get Sylvester come out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. It's a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen Dread out there, people, please watch it, rent it, buy it. It's a fantastic movie. That being said, the comic book by far is a great boss to the wall comic book. If you love things like Duke Nukem, if you love things like Doom, if you will. You're going to love to read a book like Judge Dredd. Full-on cop, war, I am ex- ju- judge, jury, and executioner. And, of course, you know, Judge Death being, you know, the executioner, if you will, as well, too. Having the dichotomy of both of these guys battle, both of these groups, elite groups battle. It's just fantastic. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. And like I said, it's just, you know me, at time, I just gravitate to that like weird supernatural stuff. And I was like, yo, this is a freaking cool concept. You get what I'm saying? Dark judges coming from dead world, uh, saying that every life, 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 period living, you get what I'm saying, is a crime because only the living commit crime. So, hey, let's just cast judgment on every living creature. You get what I'm saying? So it was pretty freaking cool. I, I enjoyed it. Even though like kind of just had one major story arc, you get what I'm saying? I forgot what it was called, Mega City or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think it was great for what it was worth, you know? So like I, I enjoyed that a lot of that um that that rivalry. That's still one of my favorite ones. That's why I threw it at number five. I love it. I love it. I, I You know what? You're making me want to go back and watch both of those Judge Dredd movies and pick up some <laughs> Dread comic books and have a good old time. <laughs> I would, I would love, I would love to see the the Sylvester Stallone because it's so cheesy. But I just, I just love that scene where, where um, they're in the top of the building and he's just switching up the bullets or whatever. And then like um, the the other judge gets shot and he goes, so Sylvester Stallone shouting out the laws, nothing, something, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I love it. It's so cheesy, man. I will say that this almost made my list not for Judge for Judge Death, but for yeah. another character or characters, if you will, in the Judge Dread series. I won't even say it's a series; it's a mashup. So it would have been a cheat, in my opinion. But for anybody who's a fan of just '90s, you know, barrage of characters just coming together, I uh, I would say pick up this book. <laughs> um, it's, ve- it's very weird, but it's Judge Dread versus Aliens versus Predator, and it is oh, fan. Fantastic, fantastic book. You even get, you know, the xenomorphs actually doing some chess birds out of, you know, a lot of the patrol officers, and you get a combination of a dread predator alien together. It's so badass. I love it. Oh, that's not, that really sounds up your alley, but I'm gonna mm-hmm. check it out because it sounds crazy, but that definitely sounds up your alley. That sounds crazy. <laughs> well, I'm gonna go with my number four, and I'm gonna keep it in the 90s. And since we're talking about aliens, um, yes. It's kind of together in a way. It's not the aliens you're thinking about. It's a pair of aliens that are very famous to the Marvel Universe. And um, we've seen this story before where many times the son always wants to kill the father. But not many times 
until like the old Greek mythology days where we wanted to see his father destroy its son. Yes. And I'm loosely basing this on that right there, but it is a rivalry of uh, a certain alien um, disgusted with his host and leaving, I guess, uh, a piece of itself, a offspring, if you will, to journey on to another host, a little bit more crazier, a little more vicious. And this is the rivalry between Venom and Carnage. Oh, this is a great rivalry. This is epic. Great yes, choice. this is all 90s right here. You can't have one without the other. And I think they're synonymous with each other. The symbiotes have been uh, a giant history when it comes to Spider-Man's uh, universe, if you will. And I love the fact that, yes, people are going to say Spider-Man and Venom are a great rivalry. But I, I don't think they have the connection, of course, of like a paternal bond that a Venom and, uh, and a Carnage would. Of course, uh, yeah. in this case... Venom absolutely hate the, the 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 symbiote of Venom hates the Carnage symbiote with passion, and you always see the Carnage symbiote as well too, always trying to gravitate to them to, to win it over to essentially uh, win it to his side, but also screw with it at the same time. I love this this uh, I guess this development between I guess a, a family war, who's the better symbiote, who's the more powerful symbiote. They're always trying to one up each other, even though you know they're uh, whether you look at Venom as a side of good or evil is always try to take out Carnage and be the most superior symbiote suit out there. Eddie Brock's character brings that Venom suit to life with so much hated animosity, where um, Cassidy's, uh, I guess, persona is totally different. It's balls to the wall. It's unpredictable. Um, one of the creators even said that when he made Cassidy, he wanted to have like a, a humanized Joker, if you will, attached to an alien. I definitely got that vibe from Cassidy. You can see Joker elements in this character. Just... To a to a to a hundred, if you will. Yeah. How do you oh. feel about the 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 the, the Carnage symbiote? Because I know a lot of people are very 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 on the fence with Carnage. You either really really like him or you really really hate him. That's that's how I feel about it. You really like him or you really hate him. I prefer. I'm one of those that prefer the Spider Man Venom rivalry. I'll be honest, but this is a great rivalry. This is a great rivalry because, like you said, it's just um. The both the symbiotes trying to prove who's the strongest symbiote, and they're just always trying to one up each other, and they're always trying to go. And you see that the hate, you know, spewing out with each battle, and with each page. If you're reading the comic, you could say and stuff like that. And I think it's a great rivalry. I just prefer the Spider-Man and Venom, um, honestly. But I mean, because I, I, I've just never really got into the uh, Carnage character. I'm gonna be honest, but great, great rivalry for what it's worth and what it comes down to the T where you see both symbiotes trying to outdo each other, which is a rivalry, and trying to find out, like, who's the strongest symbiote. So, I mean, it's great. It's, it's I mean, I, I look at it, because I'm a big buff for Greek mythology, and I look at, the, you know, the tale of, you know, Cronus and Zeus, where, you know, um, Cronus just wants to destroy Zeus, you know, because he knows that it's going to overtake him, overpower him, overthrow him yeah. as well, too. And you see that with the symbiotes as well. You know, you want you see that Venom... The symbiote itself wants to destroy Carnage because he knows in some way, some form, it can be the superior alien out of that species. It's, you know, highly evolved. It can do different things. can make axes out of his hands. Too many different things um, that Venom could do. And then when you look at this too, Carnage as well had an offspring later on in the comic book history called Toxin. So that symbiote suit was also trying to destroy Carnage. And Carnage was also trying to destroy that that symbiote suit as well too 
Even to the point where Venom even became the host uh, for Toxin, and they still yeah. went at it. So the Eddie Brock, uh, you know, uh, uh, Cassie rivalry has always been there, but the suits, the aliens, the 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 animosity, the family rivalry between these aliens, I love. I can't get enough of it. It's like a family war. It's like Greek mythology in modern times. No, definitely it is. It is, and like you said, it was pretty cool. You know, like Carnage has an offspring, Toxin, and he's still you know, got into that rivalry and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, it, it's a dysfunctional family, and it makes for a great rivalry. To, to I don't know. I, I like weird characters. I kind of have a soft spot for Carnage. But then again, I remember <laughs> yeah. reading, um, I believe it was around the Fear Itself time where we had the overpowered Sentry character. You know how I love Sentry. <laughs> weird character. Yeah. I remember I just, when Sentry just took Carnage to space and just destroyed him in the atmosphere. It was just, it was incredible. Yeah, I just, I think the thing for me that did it, like, didn't allow me to gravitate to Carnage was like, I mean, it's comic, it's cool, I get it, it's weird, it's trippy sometimes, it's out there, out the box, but I just, I don't know, I just really couldn't gravitate to, like you said, and, like, we know that he just, like, make axes and stuff out of his arms and stuff like that. <laughs> I think that's what just really did it for me, you know? Like, I remember little toys like that, like, in the past, where you just, like, the detachable arms, and you just put the axe on, and, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think it was those things. But it does make an epic rivalry, and it's one of, you know, one of the best rivalries that we've seen in comic books. So, you know, it, it's good. I just never really personally gravitated to it. I'm sorry. You're you know? fine. You're fine. Like I said, you either love the character or you hate the character. Um, yeah, no. But I want to know your number four. I want to know if we're going to love it or hate it as well. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, if if you can't get into this rivalry, then you just suck. I'll be honest. <laughs> this rivalry has gone on way before we have seen it in the comics. And this rivalry was going on way, way, way back, way back in North mythology. North mythology, mythology, excuse me, I can't even pronounce it. North mythology, oh my God, you hear me? But yeah, anyways, it is Thor. <laughs> I love it. And I don't know, I just love this rivalry because, you know, Thor is my favorite superhero. I love Thor. So I just think this is a great rivalry because it was going on even before it hit the comic books as brought it over into the comic book world and it opened uh, a lot of people um, to North, uh, Norse mythology, you know, and it's basically what is kind of cool in my eyes, it's also a rivalry that touches a lot of people, it touches everyday aspect, you know, um, mm-hmm. in the sense where you see that rivalry sibling, you know what I'm saying, even though Loki is adopted, um, but Thor still honors him as his brother. You know, we've never really seen Thor like, I mean, yeah, they had a few battles and they scrapped, but we've never really seen Thor kind of, you know, drop the hammer, pun intended, on him as a real villain. You get what I'm saying? Like, right. he's, he's never really just, uh, you know, taking him to that extreme, like, hey, I'm going to judge you as a villain. No, because at the end of the day, I, you're my brother. I know you're better than this. I know you can do good. You get what I'm saying? And, but then it's kind of cool because, we also see that rivalry sometimes just get dropped for a little bit, and we have seen Loki and Thor team up like Thor really wants. You know, like, hey, we're brothers. Let's do this together. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but definitely, definitely, it's a great rivalry, and I enjoy it because it's a rivalry that, like I said, it, it, it could hit home for certain people. You know, there's always that little rivalry with the older brother. You're the younger brother going up. Like, I want to be better than you and things of that nature. And 
it, this rivalry has gone, gone on for so long and Loki has just kind of lost it that if um, I remember well, I think you remember and I know you remember, um, Loki was so jealous and mischievous of Thor that he went off and cut off Sif's hair. Remember that gold and long flowing hair yep. that she had? And that um, I think they were, how, how did it go that they were paying the dwarves or something like that to kind of like, you know, bring back the hair or whatever, and then he didn't want to pay them, so that's how she got her black hair. So, you know, from there, you, we just saw a lot of jealousy and hate uh, for Thor. Even um, when, oh, that, that, that's the thing, he always wanted to, of course, you know, win uh, Odin's affection as well, because he felt jealous of how Odin always saw Thor, like, you know, oh, you're my son, and this and this and the fifth. Even though he has love for Loki as well, but he always wanted that affection to feel accepted, but it was adopted, of course. So, we saw him take that jealousy and those things to the extreme where um, Odin was preparing, you know, the Mjolnir for Thor, things of that nature, and he went in there and tampered with the creation of the Mjolnir, hence the short handle on the hammer. You get what I'm saying? That's why he has, like, the short uh, handle on the hammer. So it's just, you know, I think it's a great rivalry, like I said. It's just brothers, Is you know, like I said, everybody can relate to it. It's like siblings, um, you know. Not, not, not to the extremes like Loki, but you get what I'm saying. There's always that little rivalry where you want to one-up your brother and stuff like that. So I love it. Like I said, it's an ongoing rivalry for like ages way before it hit the comic books. And since Thor is one of my favorite characters of all time, it definitely had to make my list. I don't know how do you feel about this rivalry. I think this is the truest version of a brotherly sibling rivalry because at the end of the day, yes, um, to some extent, Thor and Loki both make mistakes for each other because you can look at Thor for many faults as well too, as well as Loki. They're not perfect. Thor is not perfect by any stretch. Um, Loki is not perfect by any stretch. But the same token, I feel that they love each other no matter what. That brotherly bond is there. And yes, sometimes we want to punch the shit out of our brothers. It happens. I know you do. I know I do. I know they probably want to do it to us as well too. But at the same token... They find a common balance in a way. Yes, I'm going to trick you to become king, and I'm going to cast you away. But at some point in time, after 10 or 6 years, I'm going to bring you back and say I love you, bro. And, you know, the same thing, you know, on the other side as well, too. Yeah, I'm going to have a whole mercenary squad try to kidnap you, cut your hair off, beat the hell out of you, and hopefully you'll forgive me later on. So, you know, it, it, it all depends on how you look at it. But at the end of the day, it's tale as old as time. And... These this is something that's always happened in history, whether it be family, whether it be uh, when you look at even biblical times as well too with Cain and Abel. There's always been that 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 brother bond of jealousy and always trying to one up each other. That's why they they make the best rivals because not only are they trying to one up each other, but they're trying to show dominance over each other. I'm the better person. I'm the true king. I'm the true prince. I should have done this. I should be king next. I should be next to the throne. I deserve father's love more than you do. And it's always been that way since day one. I think that's what brings them together, but also sets them apart. And they'll never be together. They'll never be I guess the ideal brother and brother. They'll have hints of it, but they're always going to have that that stone that's going to separate them. Yeah, no, definitely. Like you said, they'll have hints of it because we've seen that they team up. But like you said, they're always going to have that uh, bad rift between them um, and tension and drama. We're always going to fight for the affection and things of that nature and always trying to one-up each other, you know? So, but there's still always that love, though. You see the love shine through, like you said. 
It's like, hey, I'm in Chavis. I want to be better than you, but I still love you, brother. You know, one of those little hard punches on the shoulder. Come here. You get what yeah. I'm saying? So, yeah, but it, it just makes for a great rivalry. Like we said, we're talking about rivalries, and this rivalry definitely has to be on the list. And like you said, it's a rivalry that, you know, a lot of people can relate to. And it, it like we said, it rivalry sometimes goes much more than just, hey, I want to be better than you. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes it has deep roots like these two that it's are a shade of gray. Yeah, exactly, and these two are brothers, so it, it makes for a great rivalry. And, you know, you definitely see it in the films as well, too. I mean, you know, Tom Hilson's, you know, um, Loki and, you know, Chris Hemsworth's Thor, you definitely see that chemistry, that bond, that, yes, we're brothers, but we just want to kick each other's ass and just make sure we um, play essential pranks. And even if you look at the whole first Avengers film, it's like, think of, like, a young brother still trying to one-up his brother. I can cast a whole army and take over a planet. Can you do that? Well, I can defend exactly. the whole planet. That's how I'm going to roll with this. And even after that was done, he still is like, you're my brother. I love you. I'm not going to let anything happen. But, you know, exactly. I'll, I'll always visit. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, when he said, you know, he's my brother, hand him over to me, let Asgard deal with him and stuff, you know, and I'm going to take him. And, you know, he didn't let freaking, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever do whatever they had to do with him. So he still protected him, you know. So that's what's great about it. Like, hey, uh, I know you. Sometimes you're a scumbag with me, but I still love you. You're my brother, no matter what. And they always have that brotherly bond at the end of the day. Do you see Loki? It might be a little bit off topic. Dying in Infinity War, the movie. Mm, no, I, I I don't know. I don't. I don't. Honestly, I mean, just just for the fact that I feel like. I'm just going to geek out like he's so mischievous. Like, are we going to be, like, really serious? Like, have him die or just – because, I mean, he's just so mischievous that, you know, he just escaped death. You get what I'm saying? So, like, I mean, I, I don't see him dying, honestly. It would suck, OD, if he just dies. Why do you see him dying? It's tough because uh, I'm not sure if you saw Ragnarok, and um, I don't want to throw any type of spoilers if you didn't. But at the same token, uh, we've seen Loki always try to be on the side which has a better hand. And definitely you've seen him work with Thanos so many times. And and now it's to the detriment of his own people. Now it's like his people are in need of his help. You know, Asgardians need someone to look up to. And um, they're not sure if it's Thor. They're not sure if it's Loki. They're not sure what the next step is. And Loki has a decision to make in the next movie. Does he side with Thanos and kind of, I don't, I don't know. I'm not even sure if he's in the movie or not. But you would think... Yeah. His connection with Thanos in the past movies, does he stand by his side or does he fight with you know the heroes? And if he does fight with the heroes, does he is he a, cas- a casualty of war? Because at the end of the day, he's like someone that yeah, you're you're closest to Thanos, but that could also be a bad thing as well too. You're in arm's way of just getting your neck Darth Vadered. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely, I get what you're saying, um, but I I don't. I, I don't see him honestly dying if he's in the film. Uh, I it would suck because at the end of the day, like I said, Thor is my favorite. But you know, like I do have a soft spot for Loki. You get what I'm saying? So it would kind of suck if he definitely got off in the film. No, I feel you, and I, I love this pick. Uh, I think this is a pick that's uh, that's uh, as well too has tested the the, uh, the the tale of time going back to the '60s, and even with Norse mythology as well too, bringing it all the way down to there and tales and legends. So. Definitely, it's it stood the test of time already. Um, yeah. uh, it's going to be uh, an age-old... Uh, it could be anybody's number one as well, too, or number two. So I'm interested to see what your next ones are. 
Mm-hmm. I want to see what yours are because so far you started with some weird ones with that violator. All right. Well, um, my number three, I kind of mm-hmm. feel bad for the dude because to kind of bring it all together again with violator, he kind of got violated. And <laughs> in a way, he has a right to be pissed off. <laughs> so his, you know, his origin kind of goes back. Um, a little differently and it, it definitely has been rebooted many times but the original origin I'm going to stick with that one first because the original origin he definitely has a gripe to pick. Uh-huh. and it is uh, I wouldn't say it's a brotherly rivalry it's more on vengeance and just pure malice for each other it is a rivalry between Black Manta and Aquaman Oh yes, this is a great one. Yes, yes, I love this one. Yeah, and this this is just straight pure malice. This is not, you know, rivalry or anything or whatever. This is straight malice for what happened. Do you get what I'm saying? It is. It, it really is. from both sides as well too, depending on where you're looking at the comic book history. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna go with Black Manta side first in the original origin, only for the fact that he has a strong gripe. And, you know, looking at Black Manta's history, you know, he grew up in Boston, you know, in the Maryland Bay Area, and he got abducted by these, you know, these sailors, if you will, and were sexually assaulting him. I know it's a heavy subject, and people are like, what the fuck? But yeah, this is what happened in these comic books. And at the time, too, he saw Aquaman swimming with some dolphins, just like, I'm just chilling my buds, and he's trying to flag him down, like, yo, I'm getting raped. Bro, help me out. And Aquaman's just like, I'm blonde, I'm going underwater. And it's like, it's tough. And you can see that, like, why someone would have so much hate for this. Like, you're you're a superhero. You have saved millions of people. You have saved the... You should be a beacon of hope. Instead, you're the last thing I see before, you know, everything is taken away from my whole world changes. And um, it's such a heavy, heavy, heavy origin story of someone getting sexually assaulted, especially if it's a little boy as well, too. Um, of course, you're going to have some kind of malice and try to take revenge on the person that could have saved your life. And at this point in time as well, you know, you look at uh, Aquaman, he's on the same level as a Superman and Batman at the time with the Justice League, you know, our original founder of the Justice League. So his, his feats of heroicness are known to the public, to the world. Like, he should be saving people. Yeah. And the fact that this kind of went below the radar... It's like a slap in the face tremendously for the character and for Black Manta's character as well, too. So, I mean, just alone on that plot right there, Black Manta has every right to go ham on Aquaman's family, friends, uh, anything. Atlantis, he has every right to say, you suck something from me, I'm going to take everything from you. Yeah, no, that, 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 this is a great rivalry because like you said, you know, it's like, hey, kind of the superhero, you know, slipped up on this one. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. It's like, like, and like you said, it's gone under the radar. It's like, what happened here? You're the one that saves everybody. And then you see this dude getting freaking assaulted sexually and stuff. And you're just like, okay, I'm just going to go away like nothing happened. So I definitely, I, I, you know what? I won't even say Black Manta is the bad guy here. With this origin. With this origin. I won't say he's the bad guy in this origin because, no, bro. If you saw something like that happening, you're the bad guy for allowing it and turning your freaking eye on it. You get what I'm saying? So, But, no, Man- Manta has all the right in the world to wild out and-, and things of that nature. And um, 
how was the second one? Because I was confused. The the modern age one where um they were supposed to they were trying to kill um or uh was it Aquaman or his father to prove that he was an Atlantean or something like exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah, and um they um actually ended up killing Black Manta's father, thinking it was Black Manta, something like that. Exactly. I always get that. Yeah, I always get that origin mixed up. And then after that, Black Manta was like, okay, I'm losing it again, and I'm going to go after you. You get what I'm saying? So Yeah, and yeah. that's still, he has, you know, warrant to feel uh, vengeful to, yeah. toward Aquaman. It seems that Aquaman makes a lot of slip-ups, <laughs> you know. He got, he got some slippery fingers. <laughs> you're, the, you're the Aquaman lover here, so what do you have to say to justify all this nonsense? He's a fish out of water. I don't know what to say about him, but you know, it's it's you know he has he has legit beef, and I choose this one over Ocean Master because yes, people will say yeah, the brother bond, the the the, the, the fight for royalty. Yeah, that's yeah. a story we we've heard before as well too. And though I like Ocean Master too, I just think Black Manta has legitimate gripes against Aquaman. Yeah. Be like, I want to kill you. See, even to the point where even with that storyline of of Aquaman accidentally killing his father. He does get the ultimate vengeance, and in this canon, in this canon timeline, he kills Aquaman's son, which is just crazy. And then, of course, Aquaman, being at that point badass harpoon, I'm gonna kill you, does it as well too. Like they both have legit gripes to make each other, um, I guess, the best that they can be. Whether I'm gonna be the best Black Manta or the best best Aquaman, I'm gonna be, you know, the most vengeful version of myself. And those stories in the '90s. I really gravitated Aquaman to me. I, I I just loved those stories. How did you feel about when we got the new 52 that we got that Mansa series? Did you enjoy that? Did you think they did Mansa some justice? I did, but I, I feel that they concentrated him more as a mercenary rather than anything else, which is cool. But I feel like in this, uh, in this day and age in the DC universe, we have enough mercenaries. We have the, you know, the dead shots and uh, the death strokes and, and all the above right there that you can, you can have a little diversity. And you know what? One of my favorite parts about black Manta, he's actually black, you know, yeah. like, and that was such a stunning, um, discovery for people. Like, oh yeah. my God. Oh, he's actually yeah. black. Yeah. And it's like, who, who the fuck cares? Like, but it made such a, I guess, uh, more of, a outstanding um i guess i i, I want to say built up the character even more when you found out that he was black as well too because not only is he dealing with oppression from a young age yeah. he's also dealing oppression nowadays you know he's not accepted in the seas not accepted on land he's just vengeful everywhere he goes and he wants to take it out of the world and that's what i love about black manta is that you know the best villains the best rivals are are bred out of necessity and hate and they think that what they're doing is righteous to the world. You know, he is definitely the Malcolm X of the sea. I love it. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And he, like you said, just finding out that he was black, it's like, okay, this character really has it hard. You get what I'm saying? Both, like you said, on land and in the sea. So it just makes for more of that. I mean, it, it, if you like the villains, you know, it makes you more of uh, sympathetical to his, you know, to who he is, you get what I'm saying, to his cause or whatever, so, especially through all the stuff he went through and nonsense, but I don't know, I've always personally loved Black Manta, I I think he's a great villain, his story is great, you know, 
not what happened in the original, you know, <laughs> thing or whatever. Yeah, that's not cool. But like, I just think that just makes for a great villain. And sometimes, to me, um, people have the question of, "Hey, who's Aquaman's greatest villain?" Of uh, you know, rival. And a lot of them say Ocean Master and stuff like that. But I always think it's Black Manta. I don't think it's Ocean Master. Like, I mean, he has that, you know, family bond. But I just think really, really, when you look at it and it comes down to it, I just think uh, Black Manta is his greatest rival and will always be his it greatest rival. It has to be Black. Yeah, yeah, it would always have to be Black Manta. I mean, yeah. the fact that, that they're connected by blood, not by blood within, like, family, but mm-hmm. by death. By, by death, by yeah, by life. spilled blood. Yeah, spilled blood. And it's crazy. It's like um, it, it's kind of like alchemy or, or witchcraft. You know, you you mm-hmm. you kind of have to give to take, and yeah. they look at each other like that. You know, an eye for an eye, and you know, you take mm-hmm. some blood from me, I'm gonna take blood from you. And it's it, you don't get more personal than that. And yeah, definitely, this could be people's number ones as well too. But I, I felt that uh, my other uh, options that I had have a yeah. little more gravitas to them, but I definitely yeah. love this. This is one of my favorite um, rivalries of all time. No, this is, this is a great prick. This is a great prick. You hear me? This is a great yes. prick. The Aquaman is a great prick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, I've I just been effing up on my words lately, bro. But yeah, um, great pick. Great, great pick. When I was coming up with this list, because I will be honest with you, this list was hard. Not yeah. going to lie to you. Out of all the top five we've done, this list was hard because I just sat here and wrote down a plethora of rivalries, and I'm like, I can't narrow it down to just five. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> so it was really hard. And then some were like, oh, I like this one, but, you know, it's not my favorite. But even though I really like this one, I want to put it on my list, you know, so it, it, it was hard. It was hard. But I, I will yeah. say this. I think my two, my top two, may intertwine with yours. I'm scared about it, but we're good so far. Yeah, we're good, but I think here, now, when I get to my top three, I think we're going to intertwine and get down to the nitty-gritty where you might hear it from me first or I might hear it from you first. You get what I'm saying? Mm. So I definitely feel that. But we've been good so far, so let's see. Hit me, Um, hit me. I think this is where it might just get to that point. Like I was just saying, this could have definitely been number one on my list or anybody's list, but I feel there's one more above this one that really embodies a rivalry. And this kind of goes with a little bit of the Black Manta and the Aquaman where they need each other. And that's like the biggest hint right there. You know, if there's no Black Manta, there's never going to be an Aquaman and vice versa. So my number three is one of the greatest rivalry that we have seen. And it's always spanning in different uh, how can you say, um, I, I'm just going to use the word, uh, different universes and multiverses or whatever. We've always seen this rivalry. Um, and it is the Batman versus Joker rivalry. And Ooh. these guys are almost symbiotic. You get what I'm saying? They need each other. They're meant for each other to have this rivalry. You get what I'm saying? It's just more deep than just, hey, you're the criminal. I'm the good guy. I'm going to put you behind bars. You get what I'm saying? It's just more than that because um, we have seen it that it's like, um, when was it? And I'm bad at dropping these notes. I, people bear with me. It's not my memory's bad. But um, 
we've seen it where Joker has had like those little monologues and he's said, you know, who am I without the Joker when he thought he killed, I mean, without Batman, when he thought he killed Batman, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. He thought he killed Batman. They had that little monologue with himself like, oh, so who am I now? I'm empty. You get what I'm saying? I'm nobody because he feels that Batman is who fuels him to be who he is. So right there off the bat, you know, you're like, oh, okay. And then we've seen them where they hate each other and stuff, but they've even, I believe, shared a laugh somewhere where they're like, man, we're always fighting each other. You get what I'm saying? From the countless, countless encounters, we're like, hey, we're always fighting each other. So it's always that, like, you know, that right there, like, we need each other, in my opinion. And um, when I said that we've seen this rivalry just in other universes, you can't have Batman without the Joker and you can't have Joker without Batman. They go hand in hand. Um, when we saw the, the 52 reboot, which was one of my favorite ones where we saw his father, Thomas Wayne, become the Batman in that alternate universe. And who was the Joker? Batman's mother. You get what I'm saying? So you just see, it, it was crazy. You just see that, that somewhat, I don't want to say family bond between Joker and Batman, but you saw it with um, Thomas Wayne and his wife. You get what I'm saying? It just shows how crazy and blood and deep runs that rivalry, in my opinion. And then, uh, right now with this whole universe that they going on, they got going on. I forgot what it is. I think it's called Metal Something or whatever. When we see that twisted combination hybrid of uh, the Joker Batman, you get what I'm saying. So yeah. it just shows. Yeah, it just shows how much of even even out of rivalry, it just shows how much these two characters need each other to you know just be connected. You get what I'm saying. It just goes much deeper than a rivalry. It's just like I said, you can't have. Batman without the Joker is kind of like a white on rice, spaghetti and meatballs or something. You get what I'm saying? If you don't have one, it's like the other one falls. They can't stand alone on their own feet. And this is just like a great rivalry, in my opinion. And like I said, it just goes just much more than the law and the criminal. They need each other. So, because if this dude was to ever body Batman and the Joker falls, what, what, what am I going to do now? You get what I'm saying? So, and, and to me, in my opinion, this has been a Batman's. Uh, super villain that has caused him the most harm and the most damage you get what i'm saying so i feel like that's also why this rivalry is so great i don't know i know i I know you love this rivalry as well i do i didn't put it in because i knew one of us would and i i figured you probably did it because i think you like the joker (laughs) more than i do i rather have been gazal ghoul which i didn't put on my list either but i will say this when Bill Finger and Bob Kane made Batman and a Joker, and I'll say Bill Finger because he does not get represented whatsoever. Nowadays he is. But when they, more so Bill Finger, created the Joker, he, he pitched it as this. The, the Batman character needs to install fear into his villains. So that's why he dresses up a bat. Something scary, something that can draw fear out of someone, you know, to, to bring you back to the old days of, ooh, spooky, what bumps in the night? Almost like a demon, if you will. Uh, that's why when you see the old Batman comic books, you know, his horn, his ears are more like horns, like a devil. Whereas yeah. the Joker is a clown. That day and age, it wasn't really about the creepy clowns going to get you. Clowns were more associated those days in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s as something welcoming. You're coming closer. A child, a, a human being is going to go closer something that feels warm and comforting. And he wanted that difference. He, they wanted to make the Joker seem like he was a welcoming entity and ultimately destroying you. So just the, the, the opposites attract 
is just mm. so powerful between these two villains that they're so so much similar but so different at the same time and they, they definitely need each other and in my opinion i this is the only thing i don't like about the joker mm. and it might be you know somebody might scream at me for this and correct me about this and i i understand that but i always felt that batman is too op for the joker that's just my opinion and yes, I know that the Joker gives like a psychological edge against Batman at times, but I feel like there's more villains in his rogue gallery that have that psychological battle already on there, like a Ra's al Ghul, like a, like a Hugo Strange, and things like that. But I feel like the Joker is more sporadic, but um, definitely he is his point A to point B. I just always felt that Batman, he's, he, he, in, a, in, a, in a fight, Joker can't last with Batman. That's what I was gonna say. You mean OP, and when it comes to putting up the throwing the hands, That's what you're about. throwing the hands, and I even think in 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 the Mayans game as well too. Like mentally, he's stronger than the Joker as well too. I think okay. that's the only thing that kind of kills me a bit. But what what sets it kind of right is the unpredictability of the Joker, and I think <laughs> that's where it lies. Like he knows what to attack in Batman's life. It's not really uh-huh. having the psychological edge, it's having the unpredictability um, in Batman's life where you could just have a regular day, knock on Barbara Gordon's door and shoot Barbara Gordon. And guess what? Oh, that was Batgirl? Well, I guess uh-huh. that was right. Yeah. <laughs> or killing Jason Todd. Like things that uh-huh. that you wouldn't think would happen, but happens out of like unpredictability. And I yeah, think that's, that's like what his I weapon. Yes, yeah, the that's chaos. Like his, um, mm-hmm, the chaos that he instills over Batman in his life. It's like, you know, yeah, every, every other step, you know, Batman being the master. That's, that's what it is, you know, like Batman being the mastermind that he is, you know, that he can defeat and strategize ultimately, but he just can't strategize when it comes to the Joker, mm-hmm. you know, because he's just so twisted and just is so um opportunistic and just out there that you don't know so it's kind of like you know it, it goes hand in hand like yeah yeah you get what i'm saying hey i'm the master strategist but yet this guy always keeps me on my toes you get what i'm saying like you said open the door bomb oh okay oh or whatever or you just pull off the sack over the head oh, okay and then you know it's like five buildings down he's that you, you get what i'm saying things yes. like that so yeah that, that's what i get to this but go ahead continue um, uh, well, this is more yours than mine, but I will say oh, that... Oh, no, no, I'm just saying, asking you, yeah. I, I, I will say that my favorite, I guess, iteration of of the Joker-Batman story, and it's more recent, but I like it because it's more personal. And I do love uh, the Flashpoint series of... Um, That's like my favorite one. Thomas Wayne becoming Batman and yeah. you know, Martha becoming Joker at, Joker after Bruce dies. That right yeah, there... She... So that's powerful. like the best one yeah it's so powerful that she just went mad after bruce died that it was just like wow i've seen different vari- variations and but this one is just it's powerful you get what i'm saying i enjoyed that one that's like my favorite one out of mm-hmm. all the ones that i've seen but continue i want to hear more on why you think that the joker um takes this mantle as the the one and one for Batman the the all all powerful rival though I I, I kind of want to hear from your eyes because for myself I, I he doesn't sell me physically but go ahead 
<laughs> Poor Joker. Because, like I said, um, also it, it goes back to um, when it, it goes deeper to I, I remember I think it was the Joker was trying because he got mocked with with some console council. I forgot what it was. Like I said, my my I, I'm really bad and I should just jot these down. But he got mocked, so I just feel that it's a thing where um, it's kind of like, hey, you guys doubted me. I think it was like a console of um bad you know villains or whatever so it's kind of like hey you guys doubted me i'm just gonna prove to you that you know uh i can be that maniacal dude and just you know ruin this whole city and bring it down and like you said you know you feel batman is op so it kind of goes in my eyes like hey you can have this little skinny frail maniacal clown sometimes outsmart you know batman in every sense because we've seen batman in freaking uh struggles you know, and things of that nature. So I just feel it's great, like, because like you said, when it comes to the OP aspect, I, just, I, I feel it's great. And I feel that if you look at the, the Scarecrows, if you look at the Drillers, if you look at um, other, you know, the Banes and stuff like that, I just, uh, man, thinking about it, no, kind of Bane almost was the one that, no, 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 I stand by what I said, the Joker caused him the most harm. Even though no, Bane, I mean, broke, Bane his broke his back. back. Yeah, yeah that's what I was going to say. Even though Bane broke his back. I'm sorry, that's a rant. But just also with the physical, like, emotional scars that he's caused him, you know, mentally and stuff. So, I don't know. I just think it's it, it, it sells because you have this, this little frail, like you said, clown. But he just drives this strong, prominent, wealthy, you know, mogul and philanthropist, you know, to like just the edge of his sanity and and things of that nature. And it's always repeated. He like you get the upper hand. Yeah, you could just beat me up and, you know, um, throw me behind bars or whatever. I'm going to escape or I'm going to do this to just get away from you. Like which one? I think it was in the Batman after the whole reboot where Joker just literally like cut off his face just to go like super incognito where Batman can't recognize or know who he is. You get what I'm saying? That's that's the things that make him crazy and things like that. I feel like Batman's always going to be like, okay, I got to stop this madman. You get what I'm saying? So I'm always going to be intertwined with this guy. So I, yeah. Here's my grab against the Joker. Realistically mm-hmm. speaking, Okay, we know the reason why Batman won't kill a Joker because he doesn't want to cross that level, that line, right? Yeah, because he doesn't, yeah. Okay. I feel that DC Comics protects the Joker way too much. And I'll say it like this. I mean, he is their most top villain. Yes, most marketable villain as well, too. You can't go to any Comic-Con without seeing a fucking Harley and Joker anywhere. Yeah, of course. That's cool. But if we're trying to throw this whole DC world into reality in a way. We have a, a mad freaking Hatter type character of the Joker, even though there's a mad Hatter in that universe. We have this guy who's just based on chaos. And you would think, whether you're bad or good, you would want to take this character out. Uh, let's say you get Amanda Waller, who wants to destroy everything, control everything. You would think, and people can correct me out there, maybe somebody's streaming right now, it happened already. But to my recollection, I have never seen anybody say, F it. Just put a hit on the Joker because we know Batman's not going to kill him. And no, like I don't a, think it has. Yeah. Like a dead shot or, or you know, Malcolm Merlin taking him mm-hmm. out or, or a Deathstroke to a say, you know what, yeah. let's just take this guy out because, you know, it's better to cut our losses with this one than to have him turn on everybody and wreak havoc. And I, I, even yeah. with the Bat family, um, to certain extents, I feel that, you know, like a Dick Grayson or a Tim Drake, I don't know, you know, Tim Drake's one of your favorites. 
Um, mm-hmm. I feel like they are more vulnerable. Even a Jason Todd, by all rights, is more vulnerable to just going over the edge and killing the Joker. And if you want to say, okay, you want to protect the Robin's innocence, all right, cool. Azriel is a freaking Knights of Templar motherfucker with a sword that stabs people. You would have thought, you know what, Batman, you're not doing your job correctly. I'm going to chop this dude's head off. I would have thought that would have happened by now, but it hasn't. So I think that's the only thing that irks me just a little bit. Just a little bit. I, I get what you're saying. Hold on, give me a second. And I was just writing, I was reading something. Um, but it has been asked, but I don't I don't I don't know. I mean, I see a lot of people obviously just go with Deathstroke, but I I don't I don't I don't think um I mean, because we know how Deathstroke, you know, they portray him. He's never failed to hit. You get what I'm saying? Exactly. So, so, but I think, I don't know. I'm going to geek out real quick. I I don't think he would get the job done. Because I just checked online and people have asked this question and people say, obviously, Deathstroke, obviously. But I just think that if you can even sit here and at times outsmart Batman, you can outsmart the mercenary that never fills a contract. You get what I'm saying? So, or even like a dark side, like you know, like I'm here to mess uh, things up. Oh, Omega blast you, dark side, you're going beastly. I'm just saying, like, you know, maybe dark side doesn't have a lot to lose when it comes to Earth, but okay. you thought something would have just caught the eye for the Joker or because of the Joker, they would have been like, just let's cut our losses right now and kill this psycho. <laughs> no, I, I, get, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, they, they, they should do that. So, my question to you is. I know you really don't gravitate to the Joker. So if the Joker was never created, who from the villains right now in Batman's arsenal, who, who do you, who would you kind of fill that Joker role with him? Or if you had to pick that top villain for him, who would you pick? You know, I, I you know me, I love myself some Raz, Raz Al Ghul. You know, <laughs> it's, it's it, you know the successor trying to find uh, the. The master trying to find a successor, and uh, mm-hmm. the pupil does not want to accept it whatsoever because the greater good doesn't doesn't mean anything to him um, on his journey. He he floats mm-hmm. to his own uh, his own boat, his, his own beat of the drum, and I think that irks Ross to the point where that's why he he's never really trying to kill Batman. He's trying to challenge him, and challenge. I, I think he challenges him physically, whether it be jumping into the Lazarus pit and bulking up to fight Bruce. <laughs> or whether it's just mentally, you know, using Talia, his own daughter, as his own, like, uh, scapegoat, if you will. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, he, he kind of used Talia to create a grandson for him as well, too. So it's like he's done so much to Bruce and so much to Batman, uh, the one same, but still two different characters and lives of each character that he's caused havoc and mayhem as well, too, over the years. But um, there's a lot of characters, too, that I love. Like, I love the Hugo Strange that matches the intellect of Batman. I love, um, like, a Bane as well, too. You know, people think that, you know, Bane is his character from the Batman and Robin movie that is like, bomb. No, Bane is a tactician and a luchador. You cannot fuck with that guy. Yeah, no, that's that's the common misconception with Bane. I'm going to get to what I was going to say, but that's the common misconception with Bane for those that really don't know much about Bane. They think he's just this juice head, you know, that's on the juice, and, ah, I have it out for Batman. I want to body you, but he's actually a tactician, and he's rather smart. You get what I'm saying? So, nah, I, I love Bane, too, but um, you look like the type you would say, like, a Solomon Grundy or something. No, 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 like... So- 
you know, Solomon Grundy, I never liked. Uh, I was just never liked. Why did, so why was I under this whole misconception that you like Solomon Grundy? No. I always <laughs> thought that like it, it, I'm not sure. I think he came out before the Hulk, but it always looked like he was like a poor man's Hulk, like a little bit. I think he did come out before the Hulk, but so somebody can correct me on that one. But he always was like a poor man's Hulk to me. Um, and you would think, oh, you know what? You have all right to believe that because I'm a guy that likes you know Swamp Thing and like Man Thing and stuff like that. So. You know, like you yeah. have every right to think that. I've 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 been here thinking this whole time that you're a Solomon Grundy fan, bro. Honestly, hold on. Keep go ahead. Uh, jump into your Don't number. Go with the Solomon Grundy more. Yeah, go jump, with the into Sol- your, no. jo- jump into your number two, and I mean, I, I'm gonna check that out. Who came first? Because Solomon Grundy appeared in 1944. So <laughs> yeah, I give Grundy the, the advantage then, because Hulk didn't come out until I think the the 60s. Yeah, because that's the thing too. A lot of a lot of the thing is, you know, Marvel. You know, talking about yeah, sixty two. Um, speaking about Marvel, speaking about rivalry, you know, Marvel and DC. You know, ultimate rivalry. You know, ultimate rivalry. And I've always sat here. This is just real nerdy rants right now. I've always sat here and I felt like, you know, DC sometimes get, you know, gets outshined from Marvel. Whatever it is, however they capitalize, but you know, a lot of these characters came out, you know, before these Marvel characters, and people were just like, oh no, DC sucks. You get what I'm saying? I freaking love DC. You know, it's like, well, we used to go buy comics. You saw my stack; it was more DC than Marvel. Exactly. You know what I'm saying. So, but I, I, I get what you're saying with the whole Solomon Grundy looking like. <laughs> it's kind of hard to go to to, to be of a zombie that just rhymes a lot and has a lynch rope on his neck. It's Bro. It's tough. It's real tough. You talking about tough? A minute ago, you were talking about get into the book Judge Dredd versus Alien and Predator. <laughs> Solomon Grundy, a rapping zombie, is hard for you to get into. <laughs> you give me Solomon Grundy versus the aliens and the xenomorphs, I'm sold. That book right there, like him rhyming to the aliens while they're freaking spinning acid at them. Yeah, I'll buy that book ASAP. Oh man, I'm so done right now with the Solomon Grundy you know talk. I, I might just go for Solomon Grundy after this. Now I can get some Solomon Grundy one shots. Just him nah. looking at dandelions and shit. Yeah, exactly, bro. Solomon Grundy, man, the original MC. Be <laughs> <laughs> But what's your number two, man? What's your number two? Let's get into it. I do like how you brought up the rivalry between DC and Marvel, and it, it always was the age-old debate who borrowed from who or who made who better. And I believe this rivalry that I'm going to have for my number two is based on DC pushing Marvel to see what they can do next. Uh-huh. And in my opinion, when DC came out with Justice League, it was like one of the first group books out there with a bunch of superheroes and selling like crazy selling like madhouses you know you got to have your supermans with your batmans and the only problem with that book and i think marvel capitalized on it is that it felt like generic characters all together hi i'm superman i save you hi i'm batman hi i'm aquaman and we are vitamins we call the day there was nothing really personal with these characters whatsoever and I think that's what was lacking and Marvel capitalized on a book that said, okay, they made their first group. We're going to make ours. And it wasn't the Avengers. The Avengers wasn't Marvel's first group of superheroes. The first group of Marvel superheroes was the fantastic four. 
And I felt like this book alone, besides the villains, but this book alone dealt with everything you wanted out of this. This was like a sci-fi horror book. That's how it was pitched at first. As like a horror book of, you know, science fiction tale gone terribly wrong. And Reed Richards has to come back and save his family from all the mutations that they have. I love that story right there. Reed just trying to fix his family, you know, whether it be personally or physically as well, too. I love that. And, of course... Um, someone has to be there as his as equal or superior as well too, and that is Victor Von Doom. Mm, I, this was this was gonna make my list, but I figured you may have had this. You know, I figured you probably you know made a friendly rivalry like Hulk versus the Thing, knowing you. But yeah, no, this, this is a great rivalry. You know? <laughs> I have to put Von Doom in this because. I- I feel like, like we were talking about before, sometimes the best villains are ones who don't actually think they're villains. They're actually doing good for the world. And when you look at Victor Von Doom, he's a monster, yes. He's a terrorist, yes. But the same token, he does things to save mankind away, even though he's so vague and he's he, not, not vague, excuse me, he's so vain and um, selfish. He still tries to make feats to save humanity in a way. But I think he just does it to one-up Reed. Reed as well, too, you know, being the most the smartest person, almost, I would say he is the smartest person in the Marvel Universe compared to his son. I think Franklin is 10 times smarter than anybody in the Marvel Universe. But Reed himself, you know, the intellect goes beyond space-time. And I always thought that Victor was always trying to play catch-up. But at the same token... Victor went around uh, about things differently. He dabbled in sorcery and black arts and, you know, uh, different forms of science, you know, whether it be going from uh, Asgard or different dimensions. Like, he acquired knowledge a different way than what Reed did. And I love the fact that many times it's just for one chick. It's always about a chick. And sometimes, you know, that's the men's weakness at times. There's a lady and it's always them two trying to win over Sue Storm's heart. And who can outsmart each other? Who can be the, the, the most brilliant person? And sometimes to their own detriment. There's been times where Reed himself has become a monster out of his own curiosity and his own mind. And Von Doom has saved the Fantastic Four plenty of times because of that. Same thing with Victor. Victor has done things where he could have destroyed humanity at the same token. Um, Reed has stopped them. The Fantastic Four has stopped them. More, more so Reed. And I always felt like, Yes, they do hate each other, but to some extent, they respect each other's intellect, and they're always trying to outmatch each other. But I think the only thing that that, that makes this rivalry ahead of everybody else is that the world is their play toy. Think about what like I was saying with um, Spawn, how you know God and the devil are just having this war, and you know Earth is basically their play toy. We're all marbles in their game. Essentially, this is that too where these two great minds use everything in this world at their advantage, and we're just casualties to them, and they don't see that whatsoever. They're blocked by their own ego. Exactly. How do you feel about Dr. Doom and Reed? Uh, You know me. I love Dr. Doom. I'm a Dr. Doom fan, so I love this rivalry for the simple fact that this is kind of like, and I'm going to just say it in the most respectable way, respectable A, that I can. This is a rivalry that's kind of like about, hey, who has the bigger Johnson? You know what I'm yes, saying? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a rivalry that it really comes down to if you get past all the stuff. I mean, yeah, all the stuff you mentioned, but it's sometimes to me it's just like, hey, who has the bigger Johnson? And 
it's always um, – I may be wrong, but, I mean, they're both smart. Just talking about them two, they're both smart. But sometimes I feel that in some way, somehow, they get the upper hand on each other in terms of, you know, intelligence. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes this dude, oh, hey, I was smarter than you, or I'm smarter than this aspect, or I'm smart, you know. So I feel like they're both right there. Um, but like you said, it's just, you know, that's one thing with Dr. Doom. It's like that's kind of like the, the – most dangerous superhero, I mean, villain or anti-hero, when they feel like they're doing right, you know, they're like, okay, you you may see it the opposite way, but you're not seeing it how I'm seeing it, so I'm doing good, you get what I'm saying? So that makes them the most dangerous, and at the end of the day, it's also about a woman, so, you know, like they say, the root of all evil is money and women, so, but I love it, it's a great rivalry, man, and like you said, it's, it also makes for a great rivalry because we have seen it in the comics where they have helped each other, where he has, uh, he has saved the Fantastic Four plenty of times, you know? So I, I, I love this rivalry. It's great, in my opinion, honestly. And it, it's like talking about um like how the Loki and the Batman and stuff like that, it's a rivalry sometimes that, you know, uh, could translate into real life, you know? Sometimes when you got those, those people fighting for the love of, or the affection of one girl, or whatever, and things like that. So it's something that can touch home to me in certain aspects. But it's a great run. I enjoy. It. And you know what? I think now these days, when when it first began, it was more for Sue. These days, it's more for ego. Who has the bigger ego? Who yeah. who can outshine uh, one another? But you know, it, it goes personal to the to the fact that I think they do things and they put place people as pawns in their games. Take for this for example. You look at Reed's ultimate goal was to cure his family. The difference between Victor and Reed is that um, Victor is more um, selfish and vain, and that's why he can never um, have a group next to him. That's why he can never be social. That's why he wears a suit of armor because he's isolated within himself and his mind. Whereas Reed surrounds himself with family and his main goal is to cure his family. That that's always his main goal, especially with Ben Grimm. You know, Ben Grimm is the polar opposite of Reed Richards, you know, the dumb jock that trying to just bumbles into answers. And his main goal is to help his best friend be cured of that deformity that rock deformity that is the thing and there is there's a point in time in comics where victor actually cures it he says you're done i did everything your best friend could not do all i need you to do is just take the knee and be by my side and for the love of reed you know ben takes the thing uh, persona still and says i know reed will find a way and sure enough he has it still but he, he puts that faith in his friend though yeah, that's that's hence why I say at times I feel that, you know, Victor does get the upper hand and things of that nature. Because like you said, hey, you know, you can be cured. Just take the knee by my side, you know. So, but it, it makes for all the great robberies. And like I said, with the Richard Reeves, you know, his goal is to cure his friends, of course. But sometimes we have seen him, like, you know, go a little bit off the rails, like you said. And hey, he hasn't found that, that, that cure for his friends. So how hard are you trying? <laughs> like, yeah, like, well, you know, Reed's a scumbag on many ways. I mean, you, know, you can look at the Ultimate Universe. He's tried to destroy that universe. And so I really <laughs> like this. So, I mean, it's uh, Reed, He's a, his yeah. mind is very dangerous compared to Dr. Doom's. Hell, Dr. Doom last saw him. He was one of the, he was the third person to take the Iron Man mantle. So 
Rock and roll, oh, yeah. Doctor Doom. Yeah, exactly. I forgot about that. They took the Iron Man mantle. Yeah. Oh wow, you just brought. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> but, but talking about uh, Fantastic Four and uh, Doom, I finally saw Fantastic Four. Oh, not the garbage uh, one. Yeah, the garbage one. I finally saw it because I stood away from it for so long. I was like, let me see what this is. It had potential. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you much. It had potential when you saw that first scene when they crash and everybody's like kind of like dying. Like you see um, Reed look at himself and he's all stretched out and Johnny's is on fire screaming and Ben is just like a big boulder like, help! That part is amazing. That whole part is fantastic. That's about it though. I, yeah, I, I see where it went wrong because I feel it was more rebooted for young people. You get what I'm saying? I feel right. like it was just more rebooted for young people and things of that nature. I mean, it had, of course, um, the the, the, the storyline, the history, whatever you want to say, but it just felt real uh, young people orientated. You get what I'm saying, Kitty? It felt like it, I was watching it and I was like, what the freak am I watching? It just felt too kiddish. You get what I'm saying? For the, for the new ages. And that that scene was epic, like you said. You know, when Reed just stretches out, he passes out. Like, oh god! Like, yeah. like you know, I'm so long. What's going on here? That that was great. Um, but I, I I also just I was like, oh man, they that Doom looks so bad. I, I just hated how that Doom. Yeah, looked. that Doom was disgusting. You know what? I will say, the original two Fantastic uh, Four movies, not the ones from '90s. Excuse me. The I guess the ones from the 2000s. Um. I don't mind those that much, especially the character, the guy from Nip Tuck, I forgot his name. He played a pretty yeah. good Doom. It wasn't he a did. bad movie. Ben he Grimm's did. a little crazy, but it's not a bad yeah, movie. No. Yeah, the Ben Grimm was crazy. I actually kind of like the this Ben Grimm, like, visual-wise. You get what I'm saying? Over the other Whoa, one. Whoa, is Rock Dingaling hanging out? <laughs> well, I definitely did not peep that, but thank, thank, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, what I do appreciate about the other ones, I think it was just so hard to get into this Doom because how um great the Doom was in the 2000 movies where you saw this, you know, you saw the metamorphosis right before your eyes where you started seeing the metal, you know, that he started looking like, what the fuck is going on with me? You get what I'm saying? And the surges of electricity and things like that. The power. Here, you just, you fall into this ectoplasm pit and back and people forgot about you for a hot minute they're like you know we gotta go back for him right (laughs) and yeah it was just so horrible man i i I hated that that doom honestly but Mm -hmm. enough of that rant um yeah great pick i love doom um richard like i said to me uh, i'm just keeping 100 it's probably will's announced whoever has the biggest you know Johnson, Gonads, <laughs> but it's a great rivalry. It's a great rivalry, bro. Mm, hit me with your number two, bro. My number two is gonna be short and sweet. It's gonna be simple. It's gonna be a friendly rivalry. Oh, I like it. Uh, it's friend versus friend, and this is the rivalry of who is the fastest. Is it Superman or is it the Flash? Mm. that's my number two. I like it because it's just such a friendly rivalry. You know, like I said, this one's short and sweet. Um, it, 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 it's such a friendly rivalry because, you know, sometimes you do have that rivalry um, within friends. Like, hey, I want to be better than my friend at this, or I want to be better than my friend at basketball. I want to be better than my friend at, you know, uh, freaking Dragon Ball Z fighter or something. You know what I'm saying? So right. you have that rivalry 
uh, tension here between friends. I enjoy it because who's the fastest? We've seen them race multiple times. You get what I'm saying? Um, Flash has stated that Superman moves at, I forgot what mock speed it is. I think mm-hmm. 9,300 and something mock, whatever. And he broke it down and he said, you will never be faster than me. So they've raced various times. I forgot the first time they raced. It was in 19. I forgot what issue was. Um, I'm not going to quote the issue, but um, yeah, they've raced and he's kind of always let him get the upper hand up until recently. You get what I'm saying? But why I'm going to break down why Superman is not faster than the Flash is simple. Uh, We're going to geek out real quick. Superman cannot uh, be faster than the Flash, number one, because Superman cannot move in uh, earthly, you know, atmosphere at light speed. He can do it in Earth. I mean, in, in space, but he can't do it in Earth because since he doesn't have what the Flash has, he will move at light speed, but he will cause damage to things around him and total devastation while he moves at light speed. But he cannot move at light speed like the Flash does with the speed force. And that's what allows the Flash to run so fast without causing devastation on the planet. So we, you know, he, he, he just can't be faster than him. So we've seen them race multiple times. And then there was that one part, I forgot what issue it was that we saw where um they're racing and then uh, Superman, I was going to say Batman. <laughs> you see Superman racing by Flash and he says, hey, you know, we've raced multiple times and multiple races I have won. And Flash said, no, those were all charities. And he just blew it by him and just left Superman in the dust. And Superman is just looking like, what the fuck? You get what I'm saying? Exactly. So, yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, I think this rivalry is great because it's all, it just shows that, you know, that friendly rivalry, how these guys are always able to keep it together and, you know, be on teams and stuff like that. But they will always have that tension of, hey, are you faster than me? Nah, I'm faster than you. You get what I'm saying? So I just think it's a great rivalry. Like I said, it's short and sweet. Um, it's not really one of the best rivalries we've seen in comics, but to me it's good because it's a rivalry within friends. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes friendly, but sometimes in Superman's case, no, I want to be the best. You get what I'm saying? He wants to stroke his ego. So, but he'll never be faster than Flash. Let's be honest. You know. So, Flash. That's that speed force. I love Flash, anyways. You know, F Superman. But yeah. No, yeah. I agree with you because I, 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 I'm not the biggest Superman fan. I, if we're talking about OP characters, that is yeah. one of the He's biggest the old- OP characters of all time. You know, yeah. a rock kills him. That's about it. A rock <laughs> from another planet that exploded, you know, a millennia ago kills him. But it's okay. Yeah. I digress with that. Um, <laughs> the Flash, you know, I, I like this rivalry a lot because it's always, even going down to the 60s with that one-shot issue of who's the fastest. You know, I love the fact that... But I wasn't sure. It was in the 60s, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. And it was that one shot where, you know, they were racing across the earth and whatnot. And I love the fact that uh, people still to say think that, you know, Superman's this OP character that could do better, things better than everybody, essentially. Anybody, yeah. Any power that somebody has, Superman's more OP than them. They, they could do it better, yeah. The thing about Superman's speed is it's just speed. Mm-hmm. It's not controlled. And mm-hmm. with Flash, the, the speed force is controlled by time and space. Mm-hmm. So with the speed force, like you were saying before, when Flash runs, it's a controlled speed where it's like everything else is slowing down 
and he's the one going faster, but it's also controlling things to the point where it's not causing damage around anything whatsoever. He can actually grab somebody while running and protect them in that speed force barrier and not kill them. Whereas if Superman legitimately were to do it, he would probably break somebody's neck while trying to save them. The, the fact that Lois is still alive all these times where he saved her is a miracle. But yeah. that's the biggest difference that that uh, the Flash is always going to be more uh, uh, ten times faster than Superman yeah. because if he really wanted to, he could stop time right then and there, trip Superman just once, and just do about three or four laps around him, get a milkshake, come back and say, "Hey, I'm done now." Yeah, I'm done exactly. And that that that's 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 what I think where you see that reflect in this in Superman that you know he's so OP. And like you said, Superman fanboys think that he can do uh, other superheroes' power better than him. And this is that case seeping through, you know, where it's like, hey, you're not faster than him, but you think you can do everything better. You, you got the, 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 the freeze breath or whatever, the x-ray vision. You think you just got everything better than everybody else, and you don't. And when it comes to the speed force and the speed and flash, he's just never going to catch up to the flash. You get what I'm saying? Will this rivalry continue? Hell yeah, it'll continue. Will we see it in other issues down the line? I would love to, though. You get what I'm saying? I would love to see this robbery down the line because you know me, I love I, I love Flash and I'm a big speed force whore. So um I, I think I, I I I just think the speed force is great. I'm sorry. No, definitely. And you have all right to think that too. And then yeah. even it goes down to the movie as well, too. I mean, when you look at the Justice League movie, it's an atrocity altogether, that movie. It's it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a it's 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 an experience to watch. But um, there's even a part where uh, Flash and Superman are are essentially trying to save people. And you see the Flash um, compete with Superman like, I can save more people than you. So he yeah. sees his family and he puts them in a van and he's like pushing the van mad fast. He gets from one part of this nuclear, I guess, this Chernobyl type of city <laughs> and takes them from one part to another and like, this, like the speed of sound right then and there. He's all happy. And then, like, about five seconds later, you have Superman coming with a, a building, a legit apartment complex full of people. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, uh. He's like, show off. But he still beat him. It's yeah. just, you, get the, you get the OP level yeah. of Superman there, just flexing his muscles. And then, of course, at the end, you get a little credit scene paying homage to the comic book where you have Flash Superman about to race. And they're like, you really want to do this? And it ends with them just going, are you marked it set? And it stops. I'm like, that was cool. Um, The rest of the movie is an atrocity. But it's okay, though. (laughs) So with with, with that being said, you you definitely probably will see, you know, some more of this uh, little rivalry just seep through. I I would love for it to see it, you know, and just to shut I mean, we don't even need to see them race. It's 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 already Sansil delivers stick of fork and on Flash is faster than Superman. We'll Flash to... can go in... In, in time. Like all he has mm-hmm. to do is pull it Back to the Future, go a couple of miles per hour, and he's already about a couple of seconds in the past. Where Superman, if he were to do that, which he has done as well too, which matches his OP level, he literally has to spin the Earth around a couple of times to go back in, into the past again. Or to the future. So, I mean, brute strength, I get it. But still, the Flash is still the fastest. Yeah, no. And and, and it's pretty freaking cool because, you know, like, uh, 
lashing on and geeking out with the speed force, you know, it's only a, a force uh, tapped in by certain, like, a, a handful amount of people, you know, it's not something that is just everybody has it or everybody out there can achieve it and tap it, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Flash, you know, Jay Garrick, he, he wasn't even able to tap into the Flash Force, uh, uh, the Feed Force, he was blessed with that, you get what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. So it's just such a cool power and is definitely one of the most underrated powers in the DC universe, in my opinion. And Superman, you just ain't never going to be faster than that, man. So just give it up. But I, I enjoy this rivalry, man. I, I love it. Oh, um, definitely. That's why when people say, well, I like Quicksilver better. I like I like Pietro. I like Quicksilver, but he ain't no Flash, though. No, yeah, he ain't. He definitely ain't no Flash. Nobody will be. It, it kind of reminds me. Remember when we were buying the the Flash comics? I was buying the Flash comic, and then the the guy at Mattel Comics said, "Oh, hey, you know, they they busted my chops because I was a Flash fan growing up." And they were like, "Oh, you got you know, this comic, this issue is very special. Why? Because the Flash trips in it." <laughs> like, you two had a connection where you guys love like oddball characters like Red Robin. <laughs> And like Booster Gold and, and yeah. Wally West, so I was like, that—that—that that, that was your bromance right there. Like, I miss that Midtown so much. Yeah, bro, I miss that Midtown. That definitely was. We did have a connection. But getting into your number one, what is ooh, your ooh. number one? Before I get into my number one, I have to give this shout out to this rivalry right here that I hate mm-hmm. the most. So we're talking about the best. So I just want to throw one. Oh, we're gonna give some most. honorable mentions. I'm gonna give an honorable mention that I hate okay. though. Okay, because <laughs> it's not it's kind of like a manga in a way so I, I'll give it that much of a stretch but I hate this comparison because it's not really a rivalry it's, it's a made up one people talk about this all day and I think oh, it's the stupidest 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 you, one. one yes it is the rivalry between Goku and uh, Superman uh, I hate that freaking rivalry bro it I is the it. dumbest thing I have ever seen in my life when people make memes and videos and all this stuff about who's stronger. It's like, why? Like, why? 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 I, I, don't, I don't know. And being the gamer that I am and that we are, I have actually have dealt with these freaking fanboys and little freaking... Uh, it, it gets me so heated. You hear the tension and the levels just rise in my voice because I've sat here and I've played video games. I've played DC Universe. I've played whatever. We've, you know, and this conversation even comes up in games that have nothing to do with these two characters. Why do they have such a hard on for this rivalry? This rivalry means nothing in this garbage. You see people, oh no, um, Superman could just do this to Goku. No, but Goku could just conjure up the spirit bomb and blast him with the spirit bomb. But yeah, you know, Superman can freeze it or whatever. But no, then Goku could tap into Kaioken 25,000 or something. <laughs> and he could, shut, shut up. Like, <laughs> It has no merit and it does nothing for both franchises. And like, it's, it's, it's 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 literally like armchair quarterbacking to the tenth degree. Like it's like it's never gonna happen. Number one, it's never gonna happen. It's ne- that's number one. That's number one. Number two, it's it's it, it takes the piss out of both characters. Number one, I hate Superman, but you know what? I do like it when he's in stories where he's, I guess, like weak to magic and he has to take up a person like a Black Adam or like an Enchantress and, um, you know, he has to go against these kind of villains that, you know, depower him a bit and it makes sense. You know, they find a way to, to weaken Superman to give you a good story and yeah. the same thing with, um, 
with Goku, I mean, you're always going to have a, a person, whether in the Dragon Ball manga or the series itself, where you find someone who who is powerful, not more powerful, but I guess I guess a more superior than Goku for different ways. You look at a Cell, who's more maniacal. You look at a Freezer as well, too, who has more of an emotional level. You know, when you look at other characters like that, they mean more to the character than just OP power level. And I always hated who's stronger than who. Like, like a, a, to be honest, I hate the, the rivalry between Hulk and Fig. It just makes no sense to me. I hate two brutes fighting each other. It's like Sentry and fucking Superman. Like, I don't care for it whatsoever. I like advantages. I like the fact that, you know, a Hugo Strange has more of a, a psychological advantage of a Batman. Like, at least there's some kind of advantage there. I don't see that advantage there. They're just fucking people hitting each other. That's about it. Yeah, exactly. But that's just, like, the dumbest freaking rivalry ever, man. That's just, like... I'm trying to think of a stupid ass rivalry and compare, but I can't, bro. Honestly, and I don't, I, I don't know why people have such a hard on for this rivalry because it's like, oh, I got one, I got one. I know another one that that pisses me off too. That's this is more of a recent one. Which one? Batman and Darth Vader. When have when we? Yes. I'm, I'm oblivious. I've been living under a rock. Who has I've heard? heard- I've heard this one as well, too, that people have a hard-on for Batman versus Darth Vader. And I have no idea why. Maybe because they both wear black. That's about it. That has to be it. Maybe You know what? We're going to crush this freaking conundrum that people have. Vader would annihilate Batman. Plain and simple. That's it. (laughs) Pretty much. That's it. (laughs) I don't care if Batman gets a lightsaber. He wouldn't know what to do with it. He'll probably inspect it. He'd probably blow his face off just by getting it. Like, what's the... Oh, God. We're just... That's it. You heard it here on Sideshow Conversations. Vader would just destroy Batman. So, if you guys... If you were one out there with this rivalry, i just put it to rest for you. You can have a good sleep tonight. <laughs> well, with that being said, with that rant, I just... We, we had to go on for that one. Um, let me see. Do I have an honorable mention? Um... I don't know. I have, Go I have, like I said, you know, um, it was kind of, kind of hard for me. One honorable mention in a rivalry that, to me, a lot of people may sometimes uh, pass up, and it's just like so simple and blatant. Because to me, I feel like it's a, a lot of conflict that we see, and one of the biggest rivalries that we see, and stuff like that. Um, it just boils down to like these two organizations and one honorable mention for me is like shield and hydra that's okay, a great that's rivalry. that's a really good one i give you that yeah. one shield and hydra that's a great rivalry for me what about you um hal jordan and sinestro i love that rivalry that's a good one um uh, there, there's there's a multitude of uh, ones out there that we could talk about you know flash and captain yeah. cold um yeah. um I, I can even go down to like um uh, Charles Xavier, Magneto. There's just yeah. there's so many out there that you can just really sink your teeth into. Definitely, I have one too for an honorable mention. Cyclops that... versus himself. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, that, I don't know if that's your number one, but that almost no. made my list. <laughs> like that almost made my list. Um, but um, one that I do enjoy because I do like all that magical realm, is uh, the rivalry between Dordamo and Doctor Strange. That's an I, awesome one. Yeah, I do love that rivalry, you know, because it has a lot of kind of both characters stem from hardships and 
I don't want to say disabilities, but problems that they went through, you know, uh, Dordamo being banned for, you know, wanting to feed on matter and stuff and energy and stuff like that for not being pure. And um, Dr. Strange for the horrific traffic that he had, you know, all mangled up and he had to recuperate himself. And it just, it's cool because um, uh, they're rivals, but they have this oath where, you know, that uh, Dordamo said, OK, I won't invade your dimension and stuff like that. And we have seen. Doctor Strange uh, saved the Dark Dimension for like Dordamo and things of that nature. So it's kind of a cool rivalry in my eye, Doctor Strange and Dordamo. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, let me see another honorable mention. Um, Hulk and Abomination. Even though I like Hulk and the Leader a lot better, um, Punisher and Jigsaw. There's like so much out there that we can really deep dive into. Of course, for Spider Man and Venom as well too that we talked about earlier. You know, there's a lot that can really deep dive into. But I'll go with my number one. And I, I choose it as number one because it's very cliche. I will say that. It's kind of cliche. Maybe they'll, to some people, maybe it'll be a surprise for you. But because um, I like one character over the other one. But one of these characters are like so mainstream. You're like, oh, okay, of course. But I like the rivalry because <laughs> essentially these characters are immortal. Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially, I will, people are going to probably screw me for that one. But essentially, they are immortal. You know, they kind of grew up together, depending on what origin you look at. And they've always been together since um, the, the dawn of age of time, whether they're part of the same species, whether they're brought together by coincidence, whether they're on the opposite teams, whether they're teaming together. They have went to different wars together. They have went to different projects together. They have been each other to the death to just the last breath and still somehow remaining alive this is the rivalry between my man james howlett aka logan aka wolverine and victor creed aka Sabretooth. that's a good one i like that one i i, I love this rivalry no one i love Sabretooth. you know i'm a giant Sabretooth fan for some reason you know even though he first appeared as an iron fist villain i was always captivated by his big brawly brolic looking lion-esque character wolf character but i just love his ties to wolverine like it's such a personal vendetta he has against wolverine and no one really knew why it was like an unlockable secret from a video game that you was trying to figure out like why does he hate wolverine so much he would come to his birthday every year and try to kill him that was one of his his mo's for one, one time and even when the, the creator um chris claremont first created him he attended him to be Wolverine's father. So that think about that one. Like that rumor that Wolverine um, was always, you know, Wolverine's father. That yeah. you know, that's one um, rumor that was always going around. Another one was that they were blood brothers. And I like that one as well too. Like the, the fact that they kind of grew up together essentially and were part of the same clan, part of the same, I guess, um, species of like I guess wolves um, um, turning into um, humans by evolution weird yeah but what what have you um their relationship together going through world wars i mean uh, say what you will about that wolverine origins movie the best part about that is liam strider's um um portrayal of Sabretooth and how the the bond with him and logan throughout all the wars from world war one to um going into you know the weapon x project how their bond was always something special I like that part about the movie. The whole movie is shit, but that part about the movie is just fantastic. I love their chemistry. Um, the fact that they have 
fought together in the Weapon X project. The fact that they're they've always tried to one up each other as well too as rivals of being the the dominant species, you know, the primal species. I love that right there. I was trying to be the alpha to to each character. Um um the the losses they've had as well too. There's a point in time where the movie shows as well too where you look at Sabretooth killing essentially his wife, his lover at the time as well, to prove a point that I can fuck with you anytime I want to. I love Sabretooth's character. Um one of my favorite storylines, and I'm going on a rant right here, that's not typically canon and they kind of broke broke that um that secret later on, which I'm disappointed about, but it was from the Wolverine Origins um miniseries that they had where you got the the backstory of James Howlett, you know, going all the way to the nineteen hundreds, almost to the eighteen hundreds and and um I believe it was the nineteen hundreds. And you look at Wolverine's character and, you know, he's just a kid and the father, they come from like a very rich, lavish lifestyle, kind of like a Wayne Manor, if you will. And he's growing up with a girl on the farm and, of course, uh, a kid named Dog who looks kind of like a Sabretooth-esque character. And Dog's father definitely resembles a Logan, just with the hair and the sideburns and just the scruffy look. And the fact that um, you got that story that the groundskeeper basically essentially knocked up the mother in that mansion... And Wolverine's actually this groundkeeper's um, kid. Logan's is actually this groundkeeper's kid and Dog's his brother. And having that bitter rivalry over a woman essentially at that time as well too, which is funny, um, kind of just builds that, that rivalry till the later episodes going down the line of Dog coming back and wrecking havoc against Wolverine. You definitely see that in Wolverine Origins movie as well too. They were playing with that, that notion that they're actually blood brothers until I guess um, I forgot what happened. Um, they they had made Dog a separate character and Sabretooth a separate character, and they broke that canon, which kind of pissed me off. But it was intended that that was supposed to be Sabretooth, and whoever took the reins out of that story was supposed to be Sabretooth. And I guess they dropped the ball with that one. Um, me, I'll take that as canon, though. I'll take them as like legitimate brothers. That works for me because I like that story. Yeah, no, that's cool. Definitely, definitely. I feel like I don't know. It's just one of those rivalries that. I mean, and I, as somebody probably out there is raging, like, oh, it's been stated, like you said, you know, <laughs> like Goku. But um, I feel it's a robbery that it's mysterious in a way we're really not going to get a lot of answers. You get what I'm saying? No, we're it's not. Just, yeah, it's a robbery that's just so mysterious that it's like, oh, uh, you can ask yourself, how long has this rivalry been going? Like you said, from the beginning of times or whatever, you know in the whole Weapon X project. Could it, it, it drops little um, things where it kind of like in a way it's kind of okay, you choose why they're rivals. You get what I'm saying? What do you think? You know, why do you think they're rivals? Things like that, I feel. And, you know, it could be from like where he feels like with the whole Weapon X project that maybe, you know, how Wolverine turned out. You get what I'm saying? But so we, uh, Sabretooth is also a badass, you know, with his own right, with his own powers and stuff like that. So then I remember reading like a lot of rumors of that nature where Sabretooth supposedly raped them. Um, I forgot who it was. And that's why uh, they're, they're rivals. It's just a bunch of stuff, but it's just such a, a, a mysterious rivalry, you know, where like, hey, it's, it could be from the beginning of time. You get what I'm saying? So I, I think it's a great rivalry and it's just like up to the reader. I think, or very, very fine print for you to interpret why they're, you know, some 
rivals. You get what yeah. I'm saying? And even with their biology, like they're so similar as well too with the healing factor. And yes, um, Wolverine, I guess, was retconned to have bone claws, and essentially they grow out of his hand. And Sabretooth has claws of himself as well too. But I love the fact that even in the Weapon X project, you know, the jealousy even goes further than that of having you know Logan being accepted to to withstand the pain with his um, healing factor and and of course uh, victor just feeling like he's not worthy enough to do it like he couldn't take it that was another reason why he was so jealous of wolverine's power because he felt like he was always like one step ahead of him in a way kind of like the vegeta to goku if we want to bring that back into perspective um even to the point where um when apocalypse chose wolverine to be like the angel of death in a way and um ripped out his animanium and put it back into him um, he still looked at Victor and he was like, hey, I could put this into your body, but you probably wouldn't be able to handle it whatsoever. So it's like that 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 urge to, to always be the alpha male in this species. I love that so much. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I love the fact when they when they team up as well, too. It's just it, it feels right. They feel like they belong together in a weird way. Yeah. Um, even in the in the um, in the alternate timeline, when you have the um, Age of Apocalypse um, timeline, I love the fact that it's side to switch. You know where you know Logan is essentially you know the right hand to Apocalypse, even becoming the Apocalypse of that universe. And Sabretooth is a hero, leading the X Men in a way. I love that. Like it's so many things that. But then again, I love that universe. You know, with my man Keeper Murdoch as like the. <laughs> The man in line checking all the mutants with his whip, um, with Cyclops with just one eye actually being a Cyclops. Uh, that that universe is so great to me. I don't know. I could go on though. Yeah, no, definitely. But it, it, it's a great rivalry, and, and to me, like I told you, I stated a minute ago, I just feel like it's it's they're they're so. I think that's what it is. Also, some somewhat that they're so similar to each other. You get what I'm saying? Apart from the whole animanium skeleton, whatever. And they're they're so similar to each other, so it's almost kind of like of a hey, we're meant to be rivals. You get what I'm saying? You look like me, you are like me. We kind of have these same power and abilities. So hey, let's just be rivals. You get what I'm saying? So, but when they do team up, it feels good. It, it's just like they go together. You get what I'm saying? So right. I I don't know. It's a great rivalry, but like I said, what I love about it so much, like you said, different writer, different history, and stuff like that, and. I just personally feel like there's always just something more that they haven't really just dropped on us, like, to why they're, you know. They try to, even with, like, the whole story with Romulus being, like, this alpha freaking species, telepathic Mm -hmm. freaking Wolverine grandfather-ish character. It was just this convoluted storyline where they were together. I think they reconned him out of there, thank God. But, um, like, I like the mystery between these characters. You never know what the real truth is behind them. Kind of yep. like Wolverine, where you really never knew the truth about behind him as well, too. And even though Origins kind of shed some light on that, I would definitely love uh, all Sabretooth Origins, just that for the hell of it. I will ask you this. Mm-hmm. Totally different from what I'm saying, but still in the same um, atmosphere. Um, before we get into your number one, tell mm-hmm. me, do you like Bone Claw Wolverine, or did you rather mm-hmm. have that mystery that Wolverine was just a mutant before, and then... Uh, the Weapon X project gave him the claws to kind of come out, like retractable claws. Um, you're asking me if I just prefer Bone Claw over Animanium? Or... Um, well, because when Wolverine first came out, it was uh, stated that 
he was a mutant, but the claws were just part of that Weapon X program. They yeah. never stated that he had bone claws underneath that whatsoever. They were just retractable yeah. claws made from that program, but mm-hmm. it was retconned that when it was taken out of his system, he had bone claws underneath it. Mm-hmm. So do you prefer having that truth that it was just an uh, attachment to his character, or do you like the fact that it was just part of his structure to begin with? I I kind of do like the bone claw for um whatever it is, however, you know, when he got it ripped out or whatever, then he had the bone claw. But I just like the bone claw for the simple fact that maybe having this is just me and I don't know if it's just the answer that you're looking for or to the question, but just for me, it's kinda like I do prefer the bone claw because it kinda just to add to what you said, I know you said completely separate, different apart, but just to what you said, I do prefer the bone claw because it still has, okay, it adds to that shroud of mystery of, you get what I'm saying, with the whole saber tooth rivalry, you know? Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes it somewhat similar, like, okay, saber tooth never really had the little adamantium claws, you know? Okay, but saber, I mean, uh, Wolverine can glow, uh, can grow the bone claw, so it kind of. To the rivalry adds something, you get what I'm saying? Like, what's there? But, um, I don't know. I, I, I that's just in the sense why I just prefer and like the, the Bone Claw Wolverine as well. And yeah, I yeah. agree with you on that one because I like the Bone Claw Wolverine. People hate it a lot. They're like, you're useless then because it could break easily. I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, you know, essentially, I could see that, but it, it gives a different dimension to Logan's character rather mm-hmm. than because if you look at it, all right, cool. If he doesn't have those claws whatsoever, he's essentially got to just recover a lot. That's about it. Yeah. Cool. Great. I like, but it doesn't match why he's so animalistic and they try to like, oh, he was raised by wolves and all that stuff. Okay, cool. You're, you're freaking Mowgli from Jogo Book. I got that. <laughs> but I like the fact that he has something primal and the claws kind of give him that dimension of something primal, something wolf-like and or just animalistic. And with Sabretooth as well too, he has retractable, you know, nails okay <laughs> yes nail cool. he's like a meg griffin almost but you know it's it's, it's something i guess that like, brings them together <laughs> no definitely definitely that's that's why i do prefer bone claw people see it as stupid but you know they're just used to that weapon x beastly like ah, i'm ripping everything apart with my animanium claw but if you look past what it is and if you look more in depth like i said you know it kind of shows a little connection hey you know, Sabretooth never had animanium claws, but he did have retractable nails. You know, maybe there is something much more deeper with these two dudes. You know, bone claw freaking things and nails. You know, you know what I'm saying? Retractable nails. Poor Sabretooth can't just sit in the back on that one. Oh, but I love Sabretooth, though. But they really. I, how did you feel about the first Sabretooth, like on the first, first, first segment? Oh, I hated that. That's it. In that movie, I felt like it was such a one-off character. Maybe like when he first came out, I liked the brutality of them just stalking Wolverine. But other than that, yeah. he had a little to like what five words or lines in that movie, and just got killed at the end. Just uh, growling. I was just the, the the dead black eyes. I didn't care about that. Kind of looked like a shark. I was like, I don't want that. Yeah, man, that was just a horrible uh, freaking thing of terror to follow, no man. Now, now, Liam Strider's performance, you know, my man Cotton from from Scream, you know, his performance, I love it. You know, he was just so methodical and dark, and he 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 was someone that can draw you into a conversation. It reminds me of Jake the Snake, man. He just he his acting is just so superior, where he could just speak in 
in, in, in small volumes and you're just waiting yeah. to hear what he has to say. You're drawn into the illusion and he can just exactly. kill you just like that. Ah, it was just so great. Yeah, it was, it was. I agree with that. But enough what? about me. I want to hear you, man. My number one, I had to go super cliche. I'm going to admit it. Because to me, this rivalry, it transcends comic book. You get comic books, you get what I'm saying? This is good versus evil. Freedom versus oppression. <laughs> <laughs> this one is going to drop it all. Freedom versus oppression. American versus Germany. <laughs> You know, <laughs> democracy versus Nazism. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> My man, that is Captain America versus Red Skull. <laughs> but I, I know you like the Red Skull, so I gotta hear I, this. I do, I do. I like the Red Skull, and you know, um, what I, I, I'm gonna butcher his name. What John Smith? <laughs> like I got to say with the... I, I, I am not wrong now, people. Yes, I know Aquaman's a douchebag, and let a little boy get get hammered on. But my boy likes a Nazi too, so we square now. Yeah, we square now. We square now with this one. Yeah, they're like, oh, you pick this one. Yeah, I love this one, and I love all oh, Captain America. But to me, this this rivalry transcends pages in the sense where this is kind of like the closest thing that you're gonna get to see Uncle Uncle Sam scrapping with Hitler. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so this rivalry transcends comic and it was so great because you know it was during that world war ii era when this rivalry first came out so it was just great propaganda for the war you get what i'm saying seeing captain america steve rogers you know he is usa versus the red skull uh that you know he is germany and he he's like the super embodiment of evil because this guy was hand chosen by Hitler himself to kind of be that successor for the Nazis. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And he was, this is how crazy Red Skull is. Red Skull is so, so freaking psychotic that even Hitler was afraid of him. You know, he saw him. He was like, no, I'm effed up in the head, but this dude, yeah, he's crazy. And that's why, you know, like he just gave him also that Red Skull mask to dawn to make him look even more eerie and stuff like that so that like i said this just transcended the pages into real life so it was so great for propaganda and what i like about it is that it's two uh i guess you know i don't want to say protagonists but in the rivalry speaking two protagonists um where they were destined to be nothing that they were destined to be fa- uh, failures you get what i'm saying with red skull being that that lonely boy that just had it rough growing up, bouncing all over the place and attending in bars and stuff like that and just being a madman, bringing a shovel to people's faces and stuff like that, having it so rough. And then um, Steve Rogers being that frail, skinny soldier that could never enlist into the army until he got the shot of the super serum, you know, then he just went into the killing Nancy business and it was just two characters that were meant to fail in my opinion. So it made it uh, such a great rivalry, you know, to see them to raise two prominent figures in this rivalry. And it also was cool because it's like two countries battling. It's just, it's not where like, hey, I hate you because you did this or I hate you because you did that or something or you hurt my friend. It's two actual legit countries battling, you know, trying to end each other and stuff like that. And it's like if Captain America fails, America fails. You know what I'm saying? Pretty much. If Red Skull fails, uh, Germany fails. And whoever gets the upper hand, it's like letting that country win or winning. And it's so great because we've seen these guys um, 
still to this modern era battling. You get what I'm saying? It's always a, a, a rivalry that I feel like transcends time and histories in the pages, like I said, because we've seen great spinoffs and stuff like that. And we've seen um, one of the comic books that we read, Fear Itself, you know, where like the Red Skull comes back and stuff like that. And then you see it's not Steve Rogers per se, but you see Captain America still in there, Bucky Barnes, you know, wearing that mantle. So it's like they're always going to be together fighting. They're always going to be getting the upper hand like we've seen in the past. Like, uh, you know, Captain America whoops his ass. Hey, I'm back stronger, you know, so. I, I don't know. I just think it's a great rivalry because it just, like I said, represents two countries. You know, it's just not two comic books, but it's two countries. And that's why I think this has to be like my number one uh, rivalry of all times. Honestly. You know, I, I am a huge fan of my man, Johan Schmidt. He's, uh, <laughs> he is the personification of evil. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go, you know, you can't go more evil than some Nazis. And the Red Skull Nazi, it's just like, <laughs> but at the, you know, at the end of the day, I, I like him because of the fact that he is that character that has that matches intellect with strength, and he he's the best of both worlds where you want to get from an evil character. Um, even till one of the last big events in the Marvel universe, which I believe was Axis, a couple of I don't want to say a year or two ago, where you know the Red Skull actually gets the um the mind or subconscious of professor x and oh yes where he got the brain i think it was just something like that yeah like the subconscious in the mind and gets this giant freaking um overlord armor and just wreaks havoc Mm -hmm. upon the marvel universe it's just like one of the better storylines in the newer generation of just showing how crazy and how transcending the red skull can be over time like you look mm-hmm. at his character not only him taking on captain america steve rogers but also taking on bucky barnes when he donned the mantle and to his defense even his daughter taking on bucky barnes and essentially killing bucky yeah. barnes from what we thought as well too yeah. that was such an impactful storyline and fear itself i mean the red skull is so synonymous with captain america they go hand in hand so together yeah. without red skull you don't get any hydra without hydra you don't get yeah. shield it's like they go hand in hand they, they're the roots of that of that marvel universe in my opinion no they definitely are and that's why i had to put this number one because there are many great rivalries out there but this is also a rivalry that like you said kind of carried marvel for some time you get what i'm saying because it was chosen at such a right time during that world war ii era and they capitalized on it and you know what 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 better character to bring in than like the all-american american you know captain captain america and you know what i i love his uh, uh when we had him in the in the movies as well too um i i forgot who played what who played his name um, I, it's, it's hugo weaven i believe it's uh, the same character uh, actor that played agent smith in the matrix movies and i forget his name in the lord of the rings movies as well too but yeah i forget the name yeah <laughs> such a supreme actor and he played the part so well and i hear horror stories about that uh that experience that he didn't want to play the character he didn't want to show up in other movies hence why we never got a definitive end of that character but i think he played him great i I love the intensity and you felt that he was larger than life i love the Mm -hmm. fact that he went toe-to-toe with captain america i love the fact that you know he was instant threat in that movie you could tell he was like uh the the supreme um uh, what do they call him um over there, not, um, what, what do they call their leaders over there? Fiora! <laughs> it was like the red Fiora of that movie. And um, I, I have a soft spot for Captain America. Um, um, was it the first Avenger? 
Yeah. Uh, that movie is pretty awesome to me. I mean, everything about that movie, the time period, yeah, um, the characters, the color, the cinematography, and it's the villain itself. It's just that movie is such a fun. It's it's a very fun movie. It doesn't get its due because Winter Soldier is a far better movie. But I think that movie has a special place mm-hmm. in Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, no, the first uh, the first Avenger is a great movie. I could watch it over and over. You know, like what cat was so captivating is the time frame and what I like one of my favorite scenes in that movie is like when after the experiment that he got injected where the bombing went down that you just see barefoot Steve Rogers just running down the street like, Oh, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just running and, and dodging over the freaking cars and stuff like that. And then when he gets to the to the to the dude to, to to the spy and then the dude just sucking down the capsule to die. I don't know. That whole scene was just great, especially like I said when he busts out and then he just used the, the, the car doors to shield for the first time and stuff. Like it was a great scene. It, it's a great movie. And I and I love the Red Skull because um, yes, we get Steve Rogers as overpowered vil- um, hero. Excuse me, he, he was a villain all last year um, <laughs> with that whole um, Dark Empire story, but. Um, you look at um, Red Skull's character, and he was everything that you wanted to hear about the Nazis back then. The, how they were in line with the occult, how they were looking at yes. Satanism to uh, enhance uh-huh. the war, you know, looking for the spirit of destiny. Um, yeah. People want to hear a, a, a conversation about that. I'd be more than happy to go into the occultism and talk about weapons in World War II. That's such an interesting topic. Um, but how Nazis were very much into like acquiring these these mythical items to take out you know, the Americans, like the Ark of the, the Covenant. Yeah, because it was stated as well that Hitler dabbled with alien technology, you know, that he had a lot of somewhat alien technology to himself, and they have seen, like, some craft and saucers or whatever you want to call it, you know, and that I, I believe Hitler was looking for, what was it, the Black Sun or something like yeah, that as well? so, so much. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just a lot. Of, like, man, that will be a good podcast. Like, it's it just would so be. Much I think we should try that one of these days to dabble on that, just like, uh, how World War Two, just not the war war itself, but the ideas on how to get an advantage upon one another, was just so crazy in Germany. Um, I I I, it's, I think it's fascinating when it comes to things like the Ark of the Covenant or the Spear of Destiny, mm-hmm. or even just like you know science fiction with alien beings or alien technology, advanced mm-hmm. science. It's just oh, uh, and, and Marvel wasn't afraid to dabble into this. They said yeah. we're gonna throw all of that that you kind of want to stay away from that was very taboo at the time. And just put it into these comic books. And I think the Red Skull benefited throughout time with all these um, different storylines you could have went with him. Exactly. You know, with the Red Skull dabbling into the magic and all that stuff with the Tesseract as the alien technology and things of that nature. So it was great because, like you said, it captivated what the Nazis were at that time. You get what I'm saying? And I will not say... Nazis, I hope we always say Nazis ever since my son Brad Pitt. But um, <laughs> it, it definitely is such a such a great character because he is evil. He is evil incarnate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He so, is. He like wants like, to bring Armageddon and like mm-hmm. even his daughter. Um, yeah. we we go back to that fear self storyline because it was a big part of our life going to that um, yeah. comic book shop and picking up those series and reading. We'll, we'll read one issue, then we'll, we'll like we'll pass it on to each other on a train station. Good yeah. times, <laughs> definitely. Um, but I remember, like, her story was also to bring Ragnarok on top of Asgard while unleashing mm-hmm. the serpent and the, the hammers of the gods onto the world. And each of these villains getting the hammers and unleashing the serpent. It was their own apocalypse that she was bringing in her father's yeah, sure. name. I love it. 
Yeah, it, it was great. It was great. They, they're just bred for mayhem and anarchy and destruction. Those over there, the Red Skull bloodline. But no, it's it was a great it was a great storyline, man. And it just shows how evil these people are. That you know, it just also 